morning, Cole Community Church. Hope you're doing well, sheltering at home. We're thankful that Governor Little allowed us to record the message and the worship from the church. He made that declaration this week. It would have been a little harder doing it from home, so we're glad we could be here. But I hope you're uh, maneuvering through these changes well. It's hard. Life seems to change every day. There's new information, and it's going to change more. This coronavirus is a difficult and challenging time for us all. When life is normal, going well, we can fool ourselves, I think, into thinking that we're really trusting God well. But when I find myself getting anxious, when I find myself so concerned about whether I can buy a package of toilet paper, when I get fearful about what's coming and whether those close to me are going to be infected and perhaps even die, we're confronted, I'm confronted with the fact that I don't trust God as well as I think I do sometimes. Yesterday, I was able to buy a 12-pack of toilet paper, (laughs) and I was so excited about it. Life has really changed a lot for us. But along with the fears and anxieties, we're forced to socially isolate, which gives us time to slow down, and it gives us the opportunity to think about our lives a little more. And I think this is a tremendous opportunity for all of us to look more deeply at what's going on in our hearts. Not just what's going on around us, but what's going on in our hearts, and to allow God to speak to us deep in our souls. So please, please, let us, let this be a time of letting God reveal what's in our hearts in a way that will allow us to go deeper with him and learn to love God and love others in a more profound way. So let's begin with a word of prayer now, and then we'll dig into 1 Kings chapter 11 together. Lord, thank you that you are the creator and the sustainer of all life. And we trust you for that. We want to trust you for that, but we confess we don't always trust you well. And so I pray that as we look at this text together this morning, that you would help us look at our own hearts in a way that would allow us to learn to love you more and love others more. So, Lord, speak to us. May your spirit open our hearts so that we may hear deeply from you and be changed through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great struggles of my life, one of the great pains of my life, I should say, I guess, is those who have been close to me who seem to be following God, walking closely with him, and then they've turned their backs on him. A college roommate who also was a roommate in seminary, who later walked away from his four daughters and his family, had an affair and left his family. Other friends, church leaders who have done similar things, who have walked away from God when it seemed like they were so close to him. It it pains me. It's hard to understand I ask, what's happened? How could this be? And how can I make sure that I finish well and don't fall into the same kind of situation? When we look at the life of Solomon 
in this chapter today, 1 Kings chapter 11, I'm really struck that back in chapter 3, verse 3, it said, Solomon loved Yahweh. He loved the Lord. But listen to the way chapter 11 begins. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, etc., etc. Somewhere between chapter 3 and chapter 11, Solomon lost his love for the Lord and began to love other things. And as we'll see in this chapter, it was destructive for him, and it was destructive for the whole nation of Israel. How could that happen? Because if it could happen to Solomon, who is the wisest man in the world, it can happen to any of us. Well, today my topic is guard your heart, because I think we'll see that the key word in this whole chapter is heart. It's something that Solomon did not do. He did not guard his heart. I want to look at three words in particular that have to deal with guarding the heart. The first, well, as we look at Solomon's failure, we see in our passage today that he didn't take his own advice in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon himself wrote, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is a profound verse, isn't it? It's brilliant. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And yet, as we'll see in our passage today, that's the very thing that Solomon, who wrote this in his wisdom, did not do. He didn't take his own advice. He did not guard his heart. And I just want to highlight something from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema where Moses gives a message from God to the people where, and this was in Solomon's mind, he'd heard this many times, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, the Deuteronomy passage says, Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and strength. Very interesting to me that Jesus in the New Testament adds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I started to think about that. You see, we are to love God with our mind. But Solomon was one that was brilliant. He had all the wisdom of God, and yet he failed to love God with his heart. He loved God with his mind, but he failed to love God with his heart. And as I think about the church in America today, I think we love learning the scriptures. We love learning knowledge. We are pretty good, I think, about loving God with our minds. But I'm not so sure we're good at loving God with our heart and our soul and our strength. We tend to neglect the heart, and therefore I think our faith tends to be weak. And we're especially vulnerable at times like now where the stress is coming upon us and we're forced to deal with things and decisions and all kinds of things. We're dealing with emotions we haven't had to feel before very often. And so we are vulnerable now because I think we've neglected the heart. 
And so I want this morning to encourage us to begin to think about how we can guard our heart, how we can go deeper with God on a heart level. There's three words in this passage that stand out to me, that jump out to me, that are related to the heart. The first word is love. First word is love. Again, as I read back in chapter 3, Solomon, it says he loved the Lord, but now in chapter 11, it says he loved many foreign women. What, what is love? Love is focused desire. Focused desire. We think of love as something that we have no control over. You know, we love pizza. I don't love eggplant. Uh, Most of us don't love liver. We fall in love. It's something that happens to us. It isn't something we have control over, or at least that's the way we think. But did you know that God has actually given us opportunity to control what we love? We do have a choice. What you focus your desire on, you will grow to love. What you focus your desire on, you will grow to love. When I met Jeannie, I actually had another girlfriend. (laughs) But when I met her, I was drawn to her, and then we broke up, the girlfriend and I. And so Jeannie and I started spending time, and the more I focused my desire on her, the more I began to fall in love with her. As we started spending more time together in ministry, serving in the college ministry at the church we were at, and my heart grew in its desire for her more and more. So you see, I focused my desire on her, and my love for her grew. See, you can change what you love. Solomon loved God, but he chose to focus his desire on foreign women. And the more he did that, the more his love for God grew cold. He wasn't able to continue loving God. That replaced his love for God. What a tragic picture. But when I think of, for example, my seminary roommate with his four little girls who went to work and started spending time with the woman at work and began to focus his desire on her, he began to fall more and more in love with her. I know of another woman, a a woman who was kind of bored in her life, reconnected online with an old high school boyfriend, began to focus her desire more and more on this man, and eventually left her children, left her husband, and went to this other man. You see, this time of upheaval with the coronavirus that has created incredible upheaval in our lives it's an opportunity for us to ask, what's going on in my heart? What, what do I love more than God? It's a great opportunity to ask that kind of question. You see, our normal comforts, our normal health exercise, they close my workout gym and I can't go work out there anymore. My routines, my security, financial and otherwise, all those things are in upheaval right now. My retirement funds are a mess. They're all in jeopardy, and 
The question is, am I anxious because I love those things more than I love God? That's a worthy question to ask ourselves. You see, if so, if I love those things more than I love God, then I am in danger of ending up like Solomon, enslaved to my desires in a way so that they control me. The passage goes on in verse 2, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not love or associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. You see, Solomon became more and more enslaved to those desires because he had turned his heart away from God and had begun to love these foreign women. So the question then I ask is how can we change what we love so that God is the focus of our love, so that we love him more completely? And again, this time of being quarantined at home is a wonderful time to allow God to speak and to begin to apply these three suggestions to learn to love God more. Number one, enjoy God's love for you. Enjoy God's love for you. First John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. You see, because he loved me, then I can respond to that love. And so the more I learn to enjoy his love for me, the more I will love him back. It's a simple biblical principle, but it's true. Think about a mother holding her newborn baby, staring at that baby, and the baby can't even focus. But the baby feels being held, and she's looking in an adoring way at that baby. And as the baby begins to grow and can focus and see the mother's face, the baby begins to respond to that love because it's focused on the mother and experiencing that love. And the more the baby focuses on that mother, the more it will feel loved and enjoy that love. And as we all know, babies who don't get that kind of attention end up with all kinds of attachment issues in their lives. You see, we need to spend time with him, get to know more fully his love for us, truly taste of him. It's like me, again, spending time with Jeannie. The more time I spend, the more I focus my heart's desire on her. And we can choose to do that to set our heart's desire on God's. You might put it this way, that God's love language, if you've heard of the five love languages, God's love language is quality time. He loves it when we spend time with him. One of my favorite verses is Zephaniah 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. This is a verse that I encourage you to spend a lot of time meditating on, but let me just highlight some things here. This describes 
his love for us. He is a victorious warrior. He has defeated sin and death. He has broken down the barriers of sin and brought us into a relationship with him. And how does he respond? He exults over us with joy. He rejoices over us with shouts of joy. Now, this is a New American Standard translation. I encourage you to read it from that because some of the other translations I don't think do as good a job with part of this verse, especially where he will be quiet in his love. This picture's like two lovers who just enjoy being together. They don't have to say a word. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. You see, if you really think about this verse and meditate on God's love for you, Ask yourself, what does God feel towards me when he looks at me? What does God feel when he looks at you? According to this verse, he feels wild, uncontrollable joy. Joy. Now, most of us don't feel that. Most of us don't feel that God looks at us that way. But if we learn to focus on what his love is like, meditate on verses like this, It will begin to change our desires. I've experienced this myself where I begin to see how much God is fond of me and even delights in me. You see, this will change your loves. A second suggestion on how to change your loves is develop a habit of gratitude and adoration. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The more we taste of the Lord, we will begin to change our thinking and we can respond then with gratitude and adoration. To begin to thank God for everything, to develop a habit of that, to realize what I deserve is hell and so everything is a gift. Even in the midst of a crisis like this, there is so much to be thankful for and to adore God for. And the more we develop that habit, to begin the morning that way, but to go through the day and think about what can I be thankful for now? Thank you, Lord, that I have toilet paper. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that I have my needs. Thank you that you're with me all the time. Thank you that I can pray to you and take my suffering and my pains to you. And we can go on and on, but he's a loving God and he's a loving Trinity and cares about all those things. So we can develop a habit of gratitude and adoration. And third suggestion for changing our loves is to invite him more fully into everyday life. Invite him more fully into everyday life. We can't go to church right now and gather all together, other than online, of course. But we can watch online. We can always pray. We can read the word. We can talk to him during our times of solitude at home while we're cooking and cleaning and doing yard work, doing the dishes or working or playing with our children or homeschooling them or whatever we do, we can talk to him in the midst of it. Lord, thank you that you're here. Give me wisdom for this. Help me love my child when I'm feeling impatient and bring him more and more into everyday life. I think we we are used to compartmentalizing our relationship with God. But I think the more we bring him into everyday life, the more that our love desire, the desires of our heart will focus on him and we will learn to love him with all our heart and soul.
and strength. So the first word in this passage is love. The second word is glue. Glue. Verse 2 says this. Beginning in verse 1 again, just to set context. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Verse 2, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after other gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He held fast. The word there is glue. It's to cleave. It's to hold on to. It's, it's a word that describes commitment. It's a very important word. It's a word that's used back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave or glue to his wife. We are to glue ourselves to God. That's repeated several places in Scripture. And to our one spouse. That is God's design. It's, it's a commitment that we make to the most important relationships in our life. But here what Solomon did is he glued himself, committed himself to many women, which dissipated his love for one thing, but it also meant it was misdirected. And then it goes on to say that he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. That is crazy. How, how could anyone have that much physical intimacy? <laughs> Obviously, he couldn't. This was much more about status and power. One pharaoh, we're told, had 3,000 wives and concubines, Solomon simply trying to show how powerful he is by having all these wives. But what it says is his heart began to cleave to them, to glue to them, and they turned his heart away from God. He thought he was making peace and alliances with all the nations around him, but he failed to do that. In fact, his wives turned him away to idols. They bent his heart is the literal Translation of verse 3. They turned his heart away. They bent his heart away from God. You see, anything other than God or your spouse that you glue yourself to, that you commit to, will master you and eventually will turn against you. Anything you glue your heart to other than God or your spouse will eventually master you and will turn against you. If you try to cleave yourself, okay, money's what I'm going to depend on and hold on to. That's my security. It will eventually master you and turn on you. Some of us are experiencing that already. Or pornography or whatever it is. See, whatever we bond ourselves to, other than God or our spouse, will lead us away. So, it's important to think about what am I glued to? What am I committed to? What, what does my time, my energy show that I'm committed to? And what you glue to becomes your identity. You begin to get your identity from that. Some of us have glued our lives to politics, and we've glued ourselves to that in a way that my identity is so wrapped up in what happens to my political party or persuasion that it's gotten me into trouble. So I ask you, I ask me, what am I committed to in my heart above God? 
Am I glued to him or have I let other things get in the way? And one of the best opportunities right now in this coronavirus experience, pandemic we're experiencing, is it's stripping away so much that we've trusted in. Our retirement funds, freedom, the ability to have choice, those things are being taken away. Power, being able to work and focus on our work. Our money, status, all those things. You know what? God is stripping those away because he loves us too much to let us keep clinging to things other than him. And so this is really, in a small part at least, God's grace at work for our sake. Now, God's doing big things that I, we don't understand, but that's part of it. The third word I want to highlight is fill. Fill. Verse 4, when, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God. Verse 6, he did not follow the Lord fully. This has the idea, both of these phrases, that it depends on what you're filling your heart with. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, it says, all, this is Solomon writing, remember, in the book of Ecclesiastes, as far as we know, he was the author. He says, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Solomon filled his heart with pleasure rather than the Lord. He filled his heart Though he was the wisest man in the world, he filled his heart. He didn't guard it. And when he did that, pride and independence led him away from God. And he lost his love of the Lord. So again, it's worth asking for each one of us, what is filling my heart? What is it that I fill my leisure time with? Is it being with God and enjoying that relationship with him, learning to love him more? Now, you know, we're stuck at home. It's fine to binge on Netflix once in a while or watch movies. But but what's filling your heart? When we fill a cup with something, it excludes whatever was there, gets forced out of it. And unfortunately, we fill our cup, our lives with other things, and then God gets forced out. David is mentioned in this passage a number of times, and David was Solomon's example. It was his own father. Think about what David filled his life with. Now, he sinned terribly with Bathsheba, and he killed Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband. It was terrible sin. And yet he was called a man after God's own heart because, by and large, he filled his heart with God. He wrote the Psalms. He sang to God. He looked for ways to focus on the Lord and let him be the center of his life. He wrote poetry. He served God. And therefore, I think he was our example of someone who filled his life with God. And we can do that too. Well, the passage goes on, and we don't have time to really spend a lot of time, but we want to look at the consequences of neglecting your heart. What are the consequences of neglecting your heart? Well, first is God's anger. This is somewhat terrifying. 
Verse 9. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart, again, because of the heart, was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. As he says, God had revealed himself twice to him. God had given him more gifts, including wisdom, but wealth and power and status in the world, more gifts perhaps than any man who's ever lived. And despite all of that, he turned away. And it says God became angry. Now, God's displeasure should frighten us. And it's not, he says, because of disobedience per se. It was because of his heart being turned away from God. Now, let me say something about God's anger. God's anger, unlike ours, is righteous. His heart is angry because he, his heart is broken over the lost relationship. He's angry because he knows that us turning away from him will only bring harm and damage and hurt to us. He's angry because of the damage we're doing to ourselves. It's a jealous kind of love. He, he longs for us to know him better. But when we neglect our heart, then we begin to experience God's anger, and out of that, we experience God's discipline. God's discipline. The rest of the chapter, verse 14 and following, talk about three different men who began to stand against and become enemies of Solomon. They became adversaries. The word that's used here is twice is actually the word Satan. They became adversaries. It's meant to get our attention to help us see that when we turn away from God, we end up with adversaries. You see, Solomon focused on all these wives. He made political alliances to make peace with countries all around him, and yet some of the very countries that he had made peace with by marrying the princesses of those countries began to turn on him. You see, whatever you focus on and glue yourself to other than God or your spouse will eventually turn on you. So Hadad, the Edomite, it says, and Rezon, the Ammonite, turned on him. From verse 26 to 40, We read about Jeroboam. Jeroboam was one of Solomon's right-hand men. And it says a a prophet came to him and said, By the way, I'm going to give you ten of the tribes and tear it out of Solomon's hand. But ultimately, it will not be Solomon, but his son. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God essentially make it happen? Well, see, God loves us too much to let our hearts turn from him and go unhindered. His discipline is to bring us back to him. As we're going through this time, unprecedented time with the coronavirus, it feels like discipline. It does to me. It's hard. I'm experiencing difficulty, and a lot of the things that I've depended on are being stripped away, and it's, it's hard. I'm sure you're experiencing some of that yourself. What is God doing through that? I believe he's 
disciplining us. That's just, uh, God's doing greater things that we don't even understand. But I believe that's one of the things God is doing for us as believers is he's calling our wayward hearts back to him. He loves us too much to let us keep going our own way. Brothers and sisters, I can't tell you ultimately what God's doing through this current coronavirus crisis. But from our passage and from the testimony of the whole Bible, one thing that I know he's calling his people to do is look at our hearts. He wants us to love him not just with our minds, but with all of our heart and our soul and our strength. He wants us to glue our hearts to him and to find him as what the very thing that we fill our hearts with. Only then will we find true life and peace and wholeness, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Let's pray. Lord, as I think about this example of Solomon who neglected his heart and the result was turning away from you and beginning to experience your discipline after he had experienced incredible blessing. It's pretty terrifying because we're all susceptible to that. And so, Lord, let this be a time as we're going through this unprecedented time of the coronavirus. Let it be a time where we let you speak to our hearts, where we begin to focus on our hearts, where we begin to guard our hearts as we never have before so that we might learn to love you with all our heart and soul and strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.